you, O oh Lord, are worthy of all glory, all honor, and all praise. We thank you, Father God, that you so loved humanity, that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you so loved the world that you came. You look past the cross to us here on this day. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you. It was all because of you, King Jesus. We glorify your great name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, see if y'all know this one. He is risen. All right, some of y'all do. So, for over 2,000 years on this day, Resurrection Sunday, Christians have been greeting one another with these words. I would say he is risen, and then you would say he is risen indeed, so let's try that again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Isn't it awesome? So, from the first Sunday, when the, the, the Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, it says in the scriptures, went to go anoint the body of the dead Jesus... When they found that the stone had been rolled away, they came back with that news. He is risen. And uh, man, from that, that moment on, everything changed. It's all with the resurrection. I mean, every Sunday we've been talking about things you need to know about Jesus. And it, I mean, when we come to this day, this, I hope y'all recognize the weight of this day. This is like Christmas and Super Bowl and Valentine's Day and all of it wrapped up. It's the greatest day of the year. I hope you get that. It's the greatest day of the year. Amen. Amen. It's all about Jesus. So in talking about the things that we need to know about Jesus, it's not just enough that you know there was a Jesus. You need to know some facts about this Jesus. They come from the scriptures. And and not that he just was, but that he is. And there's a reason why we use strange, uh, uh, strange English when we talk about this day. We don't say, we don't, we don't greet each other with, he has risen. Y'all notice that? We use the word, he is risen. And why do we say he is risen? Because there were others who rose from the grave. Those, those were uh, people who God raised from the dead. Lazarus is one of them. But they died again. But Jesus is the only one who ever rose from the dead to never die again because he is God in the flesh. And so when we say he is risen, it is because he is still risen. Amen. Amen. He's still alive. We don't worship a dead guy. And so there are some things you need to know about Jesus. Number one, that he was a born of a virgin. So we're going we're gonna to give you some points real quick. I'm going to catch you up on the whole sermon series today. All right. Not that you shouldn't have been here for the previous parts. I'm just going to catch you up real quick. So there's some things that, that when someone asks you about Jesus or when you're thinking, what should I know about Jesus? Number one, he was born of a virgin. Yes. It's important. It's important to know that he was born of a virgin. And today in which we seem to be trying to get further and further away from the standard of God's word, just know this is the standard and this is the truth and I believe it from cover to cover. And so when we recognize that he was born of a virgin, it is important because if he was not born of a virgin, he would have been born of sinful man. If he were born of sinful man, that he would not be sinless. 
And if he were not sinless, he would not be the perfect sacrifice. If he weren't the perfect sacrifice, you'd still be in your sins. And if you were still in your sins, you would have no salvation and there'd be no hope for heaven. It's important that he was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin and he lived a virtuous life. Meaning, because he was born as God the Son, and he lived a life in which he was sinless, sin-free, uh, he could then become the next point, perfect sacrifice. And so, virgin birth, uh, virtuous life. Number three, vicarious death. Not a word we use often, but that word vicarious simply means substitute. And that Jesus died in my place, and he died in your place. So the wages of sin is death, and that's a penalty too high for me. I don't want to pay that. But Jesus said, I'll pay it for him. In fact, even if I tried to pay that penalty for myself, even if I did die in my own place, I'm not a fitting sacrifice for my own sins. Only the perfect Son of God is. And so when we talk about Jesus, there are some essentials that you need to know about Jesus. Born of a virgin, lived a virtuous life, died a vicarious death. And today we celebrate the big one, this victorious resurrection. Amen. <laughs> victorious resurrection. So when the nation of Israel was rescued out of Egypt, rescued out of slavery, God gave them a command and he commanded them to do something that they couldn't do. He said, you be holy because I am holy. Now, we've got about 6,000 years of humanity to prove that we can't do it. We can't do it. We have, we have no ability to live a spotless, perfect life. We have no ability to be holy. But God gave us the clue and the command when he said, be holy. And then he said, because I am holy. And the clue and the command is that holiness comes through him. Amen. You can't do this on your own. But nothing's impossible with God. Holiness comes through him. And, and so as he was showing us what holiness is, he gives us law. He goes there on Mount Sinai. Moses goes up, spends time with God, comes down with stone tablets. On the stone tablets were written the law. The law uh, is very much like that stone in that it is cold and hard and unbending. But it can be broken. God's law is just, these are the facts. Don't do this and do this. If you do this, these are the repercussions. If you don't do this, these are the repercussions. If you, if you sin, there can be only sacrifice, and he gives a list of sacrifices. And so, man, the law is strenuous. And man could not live up to this holiness command that God has given us. And, and even the pretty good ones, here's what it says in, uh, in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Well, that's bad news. Because <laughs> I've not only just stumbled in one point, I've pretty, I'm pretty sure I hit them all. So when it comes to the law and God says be holy because I'm holy, and when we say I can't be holy, I, I've proven it over and over that I have no ability to be holy, but God says I can do it for you. And then I can do it through you. And so if we could try to live life by the law, in fact, man has, God gave the law to us to prove what righteousness is. And then man tried to take that law to prove himself righteous. God's like, no, that wasn't the point. I gave you the law to prove you a sinner. And Romans 3.23 says, for the, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room. If anybody in here thinks that you're, you haven't ever sinned, um, 
we can visit with you after the service because uh, we know you better than that. Well, there's another passage of scripture that I want to point out. Because of man's inability to be holy on his own behalf, Jesus came. And he came as the virtuous one, the one who had no sin and the one who had all the virtues. And, and, and he comes and he says, don't think, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 17, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And that word fulfill means to complete. And that virtuous one who was born of a virgin, the one who lived without the sin nature of man, that very one is the only one who could actually complete the law of God. You can't do it on your own. In fact, there were many who, well, they were, they were pretty good at it. There was a, a group of Jewish people called the Pharisees, and man, they had it down pretty good. They would even take their grain and they would strain it out just in case there might be a gnat in there, and they didn't want to eat anything unholy, unclean. They were the pious ones. They dressed the part. They talked the part. They looked and sounded like they were uh, so holy. And Jesus comes along and says, unless your righteousness is more righteous than these righteous Pharisees, you'll not enter into heaven. Well, that caught everybody's attention because man, if anybody's going to get in, it's going to be them. I had an old friend that we was talking about getting to heaven. He said, man, I just want to get in. I'll sleep under a park bench if I have to. I just want to get in. Well, that's not really how it works. <laughs> Jesus comes along and says, unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees, you'll not see heaven. And so here's this command, be ye holy because I'm holy. And then here we are still struggling with the issue of, I can't. I can't do it. I've tried. I've, I've tried uh, behavior modification. I've tried life corrections. I've tried turning, on, turning over a new leaf. I've tried 12 steps. I've tried, you may have had all of these things and say, I, I can't do it. I can't be holy. Jesus comes along and says, I can, I have, I've completed the righteous requirements of God. Amen. And he did it for us. God gave us the law to prove that you can't and that you have to have him. That's the purpose. That's the reason. So if you're still struggling with this quandary of what do I do because I can't be holy, just recognize that he did it for you. He's completed it for you. And when he was hanging on the cross, he declared, it is finished. He could have just as well said, paid in full. Because I'm going to tell you, I had a sin debt. Y'all remember, some of y'all too young to remember this. Some of us older ones remember dot matrix printers when the box of paper all was connected together. That little printer. And I think I would take up a couple of boxes of that paper. Just all connected together. Just keep going. Here's what Jesus says. And the righteous, I want you to look with me, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, 13. And you, that would include me, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. In other words, the heart being deadened and hard, just like the law. He has made alive together with him. Praise God. And here's where it gets even gooder. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Amen. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. You remember all that paper that would have been all the accusations that Satan could have made against me? 
Maybe you've got your own list of paper. All these accusations of you've broken law after law after law after law and Satan would come and throw it in your face and he could come and throw it in God's face and say, that's your child. He continues to fail. He continues to sin. But what happened on the cross, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, that was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Amen. Ain't that good news? How many of you are in here and excited about being forgiven? Amen. I'm telling you. I don't know if any of y'all got debt. Keep your hand down. But if you just imagine just a debt unimaginable and someone coming along and say, well, you have a hard time making those payments, don't you? Mm-hmm. Just getting by. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pay it all off for you. Well, praise God. Just come along and say, hey, by the way, you don't have any more debt. Free and clear. I, I have short story. Story time every time I get up here. So Christy and I, we were in a faith-based ministry one time in our lives and and uh, apparently it required more faith than we had. And uh, <laughs> what that means is you have no salary. You live off of what people give you. And, and I'm, I told people, I'm a, I could preach the gospel, but I'm a horrible salesman. <laughs> I couldn't sell myself. I couldn't go around asking people to support our ministry. I just couldn't do it. And we was just uh, getting by. And, and we had the newest car we've ever owned. We've never owned a new car. We had the newest car we ever owned. It was like three-year-old Toyota Camry. And uh, I was headed to Louisville, ready to do a presentation. We were taking some people to Africa. And, and on my way to Louisville, my car burned up. <laughs> on the other side of Eustace, I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden it's dark, and I, I see flames flying out of the back of my car. I was like, oh, this is not good. Pull over, tried to whoop the fire out. You can't do that. You just fanned the flame. That's all you do. <laughs> and so my car burned up. And, uh, well, being... Uh, <laughs> Upside down. I don't know if y'all know that phrase. Some of you know it very well. Uh, being upside down that vehicle meant you owe more than what it's worth. <laughs> and so when the insurance paid off what the car was worth, we still had like $5,000 of payment to pay on this car that we no longer owed. owed owned. That's it. Owned. And so uh, it gets better. Um, we get a call from uh, the new bank because their old lender, the one who financed the car, was bought out by a new uh, finance company and they said, uh, by the way, we now own your note and we're calling the note. It's time for you to pay it. On the phone with my wife and she's like, huh, that's funny because you are out of luck. We can't pay you. And uh, she's like, best we can do is just try and pay it off over time because my husband's in the ministry and he just doesn't make much money. And the guy's like, oh, I'm in the ministry. So well, you should know. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, "Tell you what, let me let me get back with you." Well, a couple months later, the guy calls back and said, "We've canceled your note." Amen. Praise God. Praise God. That that was exciting times for us. I mean, we've had some times where God has come through for us and proven Himself provider over and over again. But to have someone say, "You're no longer in debt," man. Well, I have a spiritual debt. I have a spiritual debt, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is what? Yeah. I don't want to pay that. 
I don't want to pay that. The wages of sin is death, and I, I don't want to pay that, and I, that's just more than I can pay. And even if I could pay it, it wouldn't be a fitting payment because I'm still sinful. And it requires a sinless one to pay my sin debt. And so Jesus come along and says, I got you. But then not only did he pay my debt, but he made overpayment. Overpayment. He paid more than what it was worth. Not so that I would just keep on sinning. No, not, that's not the purpose of it. But not only am I no longer in debt, but now I have his grace. Amen. There's benefits to this salvation, and it's pretty awesome to be born again, having my that 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 debt list thrown away. I'm going to read it again, verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. Another way of saying they were against us. And has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Amen. Amen. This, this vicarious death that I mentioned, that he died in my place. But look at this, verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers. The very ones who were constantly bringing accusations to my mind and my heart, the, con the constant accusations to God, I just, just constantly felt guilt and shame, even as a child of God. Even as a Christian. Y'all with me? Some of you Christians are still weighed down with guilt and shame. Even as a Christian, I was constantly being accused. That's what Satan is called, the accuser of the brethren. But then I come to this passage of scripture and says, hey, by the way, remember, your debt has been wiped out. Amen. This is a spiritual truth that you need to know. And so not only has it been wiped out, it was made public. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Amen. I mean, it's as if God took your debt and not only canceled it, he put it all over the news. His debt is canceled. <laughs> so in the spiritual realm it's all over the news you're free and clear if you've been by way of the cross this is awesome news that's why it's called the gospel it's the good news of Jesus Christ he took away my sins he took away your sins I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians 15 we have a passage of scripture that uh, Paul is reminding us that it's not just about the cross but the most important doctrine of all is the tomb and it is the resurrection if you don't believe in the resurrection let's see if I can make this as strong as I can make it if you don't believe in the resurrection you are lost that's as simple as I can say it. and it's about as strong as it needs to be said if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead you are lost and if you are lost, you're under the judgment of God. If you're under the judgment of God, you're going to hell. That's just as bad as... I'm not trying to scare you into salvation. I'm just giving you the facts. Just the facts. So here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He did just the exact same that his word says he was going to do. He was killed. He was buried. He rose from the grave. Amen. You must believe this. You need to believe this. For there were some who were complaining and saying, no, I think, 
you know, I think that we can have salvation without belief in the resurrection. Verse 16, uh, 17, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So I wasn't just talking, this is scripture. If you don't believe the resurrection, if Christ never rose from the dead, then you're not saved. Verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What does that mean? In short, he rose from the dead and because he has risen from the dead, so will I. So will I. Uh, I like to say it this way. If you've been born once, you'll die twice. If you've been born twice, you'll die once. And uh, let you marinate on that for a second. I was born physically, and then I was born spiritually, being born again, being saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And so if I've been born physically and then born spiritually, then I do have a physical death coming, but that's okay. It's just a passageway into glory because I've already been born again. So I've been born twice, I only die once. But if you've only been born once, if you've only been born physically but haven't been born again, then you will die a physical death and a spiritual death. And you will continue. And, and I know that we think that death is the stopping of everything, but it doesn't stop. Because it, death is actually a separation. And it will continue for eternity separated from God in glory. And so if you've been only born once physically, then you will face the physical death and spiritual death for eternity. So why would you not want to be born again? Why would you not want to come to the realization of the facts that Jesus Christ died for us so that we wouldn't have to die a spiritual death? He died in our place. They placed him in a tomb. But three days later, he rose from the grave. Amen. 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 So in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, that's why you need to be born again. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. It's not a transition. It's, it doesn't just happen that you just transition into spiritual. It doesn't happen that you just transition. It's a transformation. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass that saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. In other words, this life is just a speck in time for me. And anyone who is in Christ Jesus, this is just a speck in time and that we will transition because we have been transformed. We will transition into a glory forever and ever. And because Jesus has risen from the dead, so will I. Yeah. Verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, that means the abode of the dead, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Yeah. This is where we started. Bringing it full circle. Be holy because I am holy. Here's the law that shows you what holiness is. Man says, I've tried it, can't do it. Sorry, God, I can't be holy. The law has shown man to be a sinner. And with man realizing that he's a sinner, man says, I need a savior. Jesus comes along, says, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to complete it. And so he did. He completed the law. 
Now, just as he was crucified on our behalf, placed in a stony grave, covered with a stone. Do you see all the pictures coming together? They laid him on a stone, covered it with a stone. All the law has come to its completion with Jesus. But when he rose from the grave, the stone was rolled away. Amen. The stone was rolled away. And this is a picture of your guilt, your shame. All of your brokenness is rolled off of you because it was placed on him on the cross. Amen. So live in victory. Remind yourself. Preach to yourself daily. That, that list of sins, that's gone. Jesus took care of it. You don't have to, child of God, live under the guilt and shame and the feeling of the judgment of God on you. Don't do it. That's not what he has saved you for. And what happens in, the child of a God, uh, uh, in a child of God who continues to live under guilt and shame, even though they have called upon the name of the Lord, the accuser keeps talking to him and you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. Remember, he's a liar and the father of all lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. And if you have come to Christ, you put your faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ, recognizing he's already paid your sin debt. Amen. He's already completed it. It's already been fulfilled. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Are you thankful this morning? I'm thankful. I am thankful. Chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Okay. So there's the facts of Jesus. Virgin birth. Virtuous life. Vicarious death. Victorious resurrection. How do I get in on that? By faith. By faith. I am. And here's what faith means. It is to rely on, cling to, and trust in Jesus. To rely on cling to and trust in that he paid your sin debt and now it has been paid in full. Amen. Amen, amen. I want you to just envision for yourself a tomb. That stone grave carved out of the rock. Stone rolled in front of it. The, the, the question comes into play. There's so much similar. There's so much connecting of the dots in Scripture. There's so many things in which God has proven over. He's made his case and proved it over and over and over and over. And I just love when I get to see the dots connect and see all the Scriptures coming together. And, and, and when you see that empty tomb that he has come out, I want you to dial back in time in your mind. I want to point out to you something that used to happen with the law. As God handed the law down to the nation of Israel, he set in place all of these feasts and festivals, all these sacrifices, all of this ritual and repetition and rules. And he set all that stuff into place. And on one day of the year, he had a day of atonement. And of the people of Israel, they had one person, and he would be called the high priest. When it was Moses, the high priest was Aaron, his brother, and, and then Aaron would have a son who would be high priest, and he'd have a son, kind of how it worked. And on one day of the year, Day of Atonement, the high priest and only him, and only that day of the year, would go into the Holy of Holies. 
Now the Holy of Holies was built into the temple. It was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was the place where God stayed. Above the Ark of the Covenant, the Shekinah glory, the glowing glory of God was above that throne room of God on earth. And one day of year, the high priest would go into that throne room of God. They had, he had this robe and around his robe were these golden bells and pomegranates and he jingled, jangled, jingled. And around his leg was a rope that as he would walk into that holy place, he's jingling, jingling, jingling. If they heard a jingle thump, they know they got problems. Because if he still had sin on himself, he could not be in the holy presence of God. And if you still got sin on you, neither can you. You can't go into heaven's throne room with sin on you. That's why it comes to this fact that Jesus paid it off. So there on that day of atonement, the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies. And all of the Israel is standing outside that tent. And they're listening. And they're praying. And they're waiting because the thing that he's doing that day is that one day of the year, the high priest is bringing the blood into the Holy of Holies and he is going to pour it on the altar to see if all of the sins of the nation would be washed away. And if he goes in there and dies because of his own sinfulness, because all the sacrifices weren't made, then Israel is still under the sin debt. So they're all standing outside the tent with anticipation and waiting. And then can you imagine when he come pulling back that veil and he comes walking out of the tent, the celebration that just happened because his exit is proof that the sins have been paid for. Amen. Now imagine yourself again at that empty tomb. His exit is proof that our sins have been paid for. It's worth celebrating. It is worth celebrating. And just as the payment was paid on the cross, that empty grave is our proof of payment. It's our receipt. He has paid this debt and it is paid in full. Amen. Praise God for the victory that is in Christ Jesus. Are you, are, are you so happy that you saved? Amen. Well, there may be some in here that this is all new to you. Don't be ashamed of that. You're in the right place at the right time. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I, I just, I believed in Jesus, but, uh, and I knew some of those things, but have you put your trust in him? Have you relied on, cling to, and trusted in Jesus? Have you made him the savior of your life and the Lord of your life? Trusting in him and his payment for your sins. So that's what salvation is. It's actually kind of like a wedding. At a wedding, we uh, come together and, and, and we have a covenant being made. And, and here's how salvation is. A wedding's a picture of salvation and that, that I come before the Lord and I make a covenant with him that I will love and be faithful to him. And I say, Lord Jesus, would, would you have me? And he says, I will. And, and he said to me, Eric, would, would you have me? I said, I will. I do. So you're, you're promising to love me and be faithful to me? Yes, Lord, I'm yours. I want to live for you now. Well, then on that moment, there is a transformation. 
Just like you used to be single until you had that covenant of marriage and now you have been transformed. But it's, that's so piddly compared to the transformation that happens spiritually inside someone who comes into a covenant relationship with Christ. A spiritual transformation now happens and now you're not, you're not what you used to be. You've been made new. And now you need to remind yourself of that every day. You need to remind yourself of the grace of God every day. No, my debt has been paid for. And it's overpayment. He has forgiven me and given me his grace. Amen. So when, when you continue to put shame on you, and the, and the enemy wants to come and put shame on you, you remind yourself, the stone was rolled away. Shame off you. Amen. Shame off you, child of God. You live victoriously. That, was, that victory was sealed with the tomb. So I want everyone to just kind of close your eyes and bow your head. Just seek the Lord at this moment. Asking. Doing a spiritual inventory. Have I ever done that? Have I ever made Jesus my Lord? Have you ever confessed with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord? Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth, see it's important. It's vitally important that you confess to someone, that you make public that Jesus is your Lord. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Maybe you remember when I said, without the resurrection, you're lost. So if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. If you've never done that, man, what a day. What a day to do it. It's today. Resurrection Sunday, the year 2023, will be your birthday, the day of your transformation when you become alive in Christ. I want us all to, to stand. We, we need to stand because some of y'all need to get out of the way. We got people about to get baptized. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and so, so, so some of y'all, if you're about to get baptized, you start heading on back there. The ladies on this side, the men on this side. And maybe, by the way, if you, if you didn't come uh, prepared to get baptized, but you say, man, God has done something to my heart today, but well, we can make that happen. Can you give me a communion cup some You don't have to be a member of this church, but if you're a member of the church, you're a child of God, I will encourage you to find one of these. If you're on the front row, you may have been sitting on it. That's why it's squished like this one. And so, the night before Jesus was arrested, betrayed by Judas Iscariot, he sat down at a table with a meal, and it was a Passover meal, but he changed the meaning of it. And he transformed their understanding of it. Because if you remember, that was how the, the Israelites got out of Egypt. Each family killed a lamb, and by the blood of the lamb, they were delivered from bondage. And Jesus comes to his people and says, basically, in essence, I'm the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He changes the meaning. Jesus Christ, God the Son, came on a rescue mission for you. 
came as a human being. He came in the flesh. He could have declared things from heaven, but it didn't work that way. It was humans that broke the law, and it would be a human, the God-man, Jesus, who would complete the law. So let's remind ourselves of that. Lord Jesus, thank you that you became as we are so that we can become as you are. For God who made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us enough to complete the mission. That you came, that you lived that virtuous life and died that vicarious death. And you did it for us in our place. And we thank you in Jesus' name. As we take the cup, we're reminded what Jesus said that night. He said, this is the new covenant. See, the old covenant was law. And the law could not take away the sins of anybody. See, what the law would do, it'd say, okay, you sin, you kill a lamb, you take the blood, you, you, you place your hand on the sin, therefore trans, uh, the lamb transferring your sin to the lamb, kill the lamb because there has to be shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin, book of Hebrews. But even though the sins were covered over, it wasn't wiped away. Because that's only the blood of bulls and goats and it can't do but only so much. But Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the book of Hebrews also says, He died once and for all. He's the only one that was needed. And because of Him, we have been forgiven and free. Thank you, God, for the blood. Thank you for the blood that washed away my sins, wiped out the handwriting of accusations against me, nailed it to the cross, and declared me free and victorious. Thank you that through you, Lord Jesus, I have life. You chose to die for me. I now choose to live for you. Today, this glorious day, I recommit my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. In that wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.